I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to Cowboys Offseason Talk, Cowboys Nation. We're back here on the Athletic Podcast Network, About Them Cowboys. I'm Kent Garrison producing, welcoming in a stellar panel for this episode, but you're going to want to make sure you're subscribed for future episodes because we've got a lot of great guests coming up. We're going to get a little pessimistic about the Cowboys in our next episode. We're going to air the grievances, but this episode we're going to get a little optimistic. But if you haven't yet, check out our episode with Dane Brugler. That we did last week. A lot of Cowboys draft talk in that one. And trust me, Dane has a lot of great things to say. In fact, if you haven't heard it, just pause this episode. Go listen to that one because Dane's going to fill your ears with way more knowledge than we ever could. But for this episode, it's time to get positive about the Dallas Cowboys going forward. I know it wasn't a great season, but I think there's brighter days ahead. So to uh, move on in that conversation, we're going to welcome in a special guest. Joining us again on the show, you know him from Cowboys Twitter, and also his podcast with Jane Slater. He's Bobby Belt. Hey, Bobby, welcome back. Hey there. I didn't. Uh, I didn't know there'd be a negativity one. I'm starting to think you invited me to the wrong one. To be honest, <laughs> I, I could have done the negativity one in my sleep. But yeah, no, I, I'm I'm pumped to be here. We figured we wouldn't get a word in in that one. So I know I would have just let loose. It, it wouldn't have been good. There, it would have just been a, a big monologue. Exactly. Well, Bobby will be here, but as always, welcoming back the father, John Mishota and Kevin KT Turner. KT, the floor is yours. Let the filibustering begin. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so th- we actually did this on purpose, Bobby. We wanted to keep you away from the airing of grievances Festivus episode. We wanted to make sure that you were on the optimistic train because it, we, we wanted to challenge you. Um, more than anything, we wanted to give you a challenge. Um, you know, I think the best way to do these types of things, and, and I'm thinking about how we did it last year, is just go around the horn. I know uh, I've uh, I, I did a, made a little list, you know, and I'm sure John's got his notes, and Bobby might shoot from the hip, but I know he's he can think of about two or three positive things to look forward to at this team, and Kent's got some, so I think we should just go around the horn. I want to start with John. Light us up, man. Why why are why should we be optimistic about the Cowboys heading into the 2021 season? Number one for me is that it has nothing really to do with them and just the fact that they are in the NFC East. And I don't see how it's going to get <laughs> oh, any better. I really one. <laughs> I really don't. Like, I know people think that, oh, because Chase Young and Jonathan Allen, these guys, like, the, like their defensive line is going to get better. How far are they going without a quarterback? And it's not that easy to find a quarterback. We came into this season and previous seasons thinking that Philadelphia had their quarterback. They do not have their quarterback. And 
I came into this season thinking that the Giants might have their quarterback. They also don't have their quarterback. And I am operating under the belief that Dak Prescott will get a long-term extension and he will continue being their quarterback. But I just think they're going to be good enough on offense, regardless of, of all the work that needs to be done on defense. They should be good enough on offense that they should be able to win this division next year as long as they don't have the same exact rash of injuries to key players and just law of averages say that that's not going to happen. You know, uh, this should, this will be for the negative one, but like I like almost in the, in, a, in it's similar, but on the opposite side on their takeaways, I don't, I, I believe what we saw during the back end of the season was bad teams. And I don't believe that that takeaway thing is going to carry over to next year where all of a sudden you can just be like, no, 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 they're going to get two or three, four a game. Now, I don't, I think that was a little bit of an outlier, just like I think the, the rash of injuries to Tyron and Lyle and Dak. I think I don't I think that they're going to be healthier. So the offense, I think, is good enough for them to still win just an awful division. Bobby, get your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. How many uh, how many are you wanting here? Are, are you because I can I can go well, with a few. Well, you want me to just go with the headline, the, the top one for me? Yeah, yeah, we'll go one at a time, but let's let's table talk what John was talking about real quick. Do you think the Cowboys are the clear favorite in the NFC East at uh, like right now? Are they go into next season, the clear favorite. Yeah, no, I think so because I mean, you you were you know decimated by injuries, and you'll you know have potentially you know three, four top one hundred picks that are going to be carried into next season to go along with all your returning players who are healthy, and so yeah, I think that. They're the one that makes the most sense. But also at the same time, I mean, I think I think Washington's doing something pretty solid over there. Um, you know, if they get Antonio Gibson, a full season of him healthy, a full season of Terry McLaurin healthy, the defense is pretty stout. Um, and they're just getting by with Alex Smith right now. I think if you, you know, get somebody who's even just a little bit better at quarterback and you get another weapon on the outside. I mean, I think that's a that's a pretty good football team. Um, but I do think overall Dallas is more talented and hopefully next year everything will come together a little bit better for them. But yeah, I think just on a looking at when they're both healthy and, and things have come together that, yeah, I would I would say Dallas is likely the favorite heading into next year. Well, hold on. Will Washington even have a team name next year? I mean, isn't oh, that the, isn't that the top people are saying? Uh, isn't that kind of thing they're thinking it'll either be Washington Football Team or Washington Football Club? Wasn't there an article about that recently? That that's I, oh, kind of where they yeah they've kind of settled on those two. Which I don't think you can do Washington Football Club because football club's a whole soccer thing, and I don't think you want to confuse right. that any more globally than you already have. And so uh, yeah, I think that uh, I think that's kind of where they were leaning. I thought. You know, I, I think if my brain is not betraying me, I believe that's the plan for next year. But they haven't committed past that. So I'm sure they're going to get a committee. You know what happens when you get a committee? You get a subcommittee. And then you're going to have a subcommittee <laughs> meeting. And then, like, they'll come to terms on something in 2022. And, I'm and sure then the next it. thing you know, you're the New Orleans Pelicans. Sorry, yeah. go on. I'd be in favor of Washington football Sorry. team as the permanent name. I, I don't think really? that's so bad. Yeah, I, I kind of like it. Okay, hey, I don't like it because of the, the writing purposes. I like, oh, like well, that, all right, that's an fair. Article, like when they play, when they play Washington. Home football team. I like to mix it up. Yeah, you know what's funny though about that? They get they don't like that. They don't like it when you call them the football team. Like they because it's like, corny. Yeah, yeah. Like 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 they want to be called the Washington football team. Like you have to say it all together like that. And no one's gonna say that in a second reference when you're writing a story. So you're just like, oh, we're calling them Washington again. You know, like I just it's easier to mix it up when you have a team name when you're writing a game story. I know it's it's I don't stupid think it's things. Corny. These are things I think that it's I like think of. it's like the U or something. You know, it's like we're the football team. Like. 
You know, it's it's about tradition. Ohio it's about, State. Yeah, yeah, the Ohio still, State. No one's no. Yeah, but you don't have to write that in. I mean, I get I get why it'd be annoying just for the fact that like yeah, they've true. used that hashtag for all of social media's existence of HTTR, yeah, and then it'd have to be like HTTFT, and it just it <laughs> seems kind of stupid, but. It's a punchline, and it's terrible. We've, we've had like enough most fun of their with organization. the uh, yeah, uniforms yeah. look great, though. I love them. I love it with the number on the helmet on it. Like I think that looks. It's like if the uh, you know the Hickory team and Hoosiers was a a football uniform. I think it looks great. What's on your list, Bobby? Uh, I got a couple. I, uh, leading off, I mean, I kind of referenced it there that you talk about the the fact that they're going to pick top ten. They're going to pick four times in the top one hundred. They'll probably get. A comp pick there in the fourth round too, I think. So I mean, they're they're going to be picking a lot, you know, in the first four rounds, and so and they're going to be picking higher in those rounds. So they'll get good football players. Um, I think the thing that is to me the biggest thing is just the fact that they're going to be healthier next year than you know. You're just naturally going to be so much better next year having everybody healthy. Um, but I also think that there's you know there's a little bit of a. I think what you saw from with John talking about he doesn't think the turnovers are going to stick. I actually, normally being the negative one, would say they've played bad football teams, though, for the last several years, and they've not gotten turnovers then either. And so, I mean, this was a change, and I think it's important who was generating turnovers. Trayvon Diggs, Donovan Wilson, Randy Gregory, guys who you haven't had on the football field, and that was a difference. That is a difference you can point to that was in this section other than just the football teams that you were playing. So I think that, you know, some of the promising things you saw from those guys in terms of being able to generate turnovers and, and change the game for you a little bit. And the fact that things are so settled on offense, like John said, and you've got realistically just about every significant piece on your offense locked in for the next two years, at least. And uh, that allows you to go ahead and use a lot of those picks on trying to throw as much as you can at the defensive side of the ball and try and fix that as quick as possible. And so I think that they've got an opportunity if they play it right to overnight really improve that defense just by you know swapping out a lot of the personnel I, I completely agree with you um I would probably put Will McClay at uh number two as the most valuable person in the Cowboys organization behind Dak Prescott I really I, I think that highly of Will McClay and when he's had a chance to draft high like that he he's been great and when you when Will is allowed to do his job they've been very successful and um so anyway, basically what I'm getting is like I've seen plenty of comments this season. Not a lot, but there's some, you know, when things are going wrong, people are like, everybody deserves blame and blame this guy and blame this guy. And, you know, Will McClay deserves blame. Will can only do so much. You know, I, I really do believe that if Will McClay had the power of like what they had in the 90s with no salary cap, I, I think they would have won a Super Bowl by now. But there's only so much you can do. But when given the opportunities, I don't know that they could do much better than having Will McClay. And this is when he's at his best. When you when he has a high pick like this, uh, I, I put him up against just about anybody in in, in the NFL. It, it not it so hard to even talk about the defense without knowing like a who they're going to pick because it could be four. Oh, he said top one hundred picks, four top one hundred picks at uh, 10, 44, 75, and one hundred. And who knows? They can reshuffle those and make trades on stuff. But three of those guys are defensive starters. Three of those four picks, maybe. At least for sure, two of those four picks are defensive starters next year. And then also not knowing what the scheme is, what their plan is, what their identity and brand is on defense. It's just so hard to even discuss the defense right now because I don't know what they're going to do. And until we do, I mean, what they do should help determine what players they take. And then knowing who those players are, you know, if uh, 
And you feel like they'll, I, I do feel like they'll draft a good player. You know what I'll say about Cheeto and Jordan? It did not work out for Cheeto and Jordan here, or hasn't. But I don't think, I guess in the end, like at all hindsight, yes, those are bad picks, right? In hindsight, because, but like with Jordan Lewis, you were going, I can't believe he's still there in the third round. And with Cheeto, you were going, this profiles as a starting cornerback for his entire rookie cornerback. And he mostly was until this year. Um, so it's like, you know, there's a part of me, it's like they the idea was right. The players didn't execute to a level that satisfies you. But it was like, you know, those are good. Those are those are guys who had good college tape. So like, I, I, it's hard for me to just like, I don't know, everything is so, uh, I know it's, it's real, just, it's real easy to go bust, boom, and all that. And I don't know, like the thought process was kind of right that year. And they knew after 2016, we've got to get the defense figured out because we got something special going on offense. And you're going to get the same thing this year. The difference I would say, though, when we're talking about the defense is like, like when you just start like road mapping and like picking, like, oh yeah, looking forward, maybe we'll take an end here. We can get defense in here. We get corners later. You can do that when you're like really good. You hit rock bottom on defense this year, and it's a complete rebuild around Tank, around Vanderesh, and around Trevon Diggs. And that's what it is, and you have to accept that. And part of that means, you know, cutting Jalen Smith after June 1st. But they have to stay positive here, you know. I'm staying positive here. Good that's point. negative for Jalen Smith, but I mean, I don't think that's a negative thing to say that you can get the cap savings and you can and potentially move on from the player. Look, I think there's, I think one of the really exciting positive things is I think that for all the talk about the Cowboys are having to roll cap space forward and they don't know where the cap's going to be at and, and things like that. And that there's going to be, it's just going to be super tight because everything's going to go to Dak Prescott. I think like when you really look at their options for post June one releases, um, restructuring guys, cutting a couple guys outright where they're at in the draft. Um, I mean, I think there's a, a real easy, I, I think if they want to make it this way, they can have Dak Prescott signed and they can have $30 million in cap space after that for next year. Uh, like, I, I mean, they can, they can do that with him even playing on that $37 million tag. And so if they want to make those decisions, now you're having to make some choices about, you know, cutting guys and, you know, making some decisions to push things off till later, kicking the can down the road a little bit. But those are normal, you know, logistical moves that teams make on their books. And so I, I think that there's a real opportunity for them to not just restock in the draft, but also get Dak Prescott done and then also still go out and sign good solid veterans like go get a you know a Denzel Perryman from the Chargers have him come in here play linebacker with Leighton Vander Esch and and kind of cover over things that way or, or find generally you know how the Cowboys have done things they'll use free agency to get all their contingencies in order and then just kind of go let's cover over as many holes as we can with veterans and then we're free to pick whoever we want but this way you know if we get wiped out and there's not a defensive tackle starter that we can find or something like that we've at least covered ourselves with this free agent here and we've got somebody who's a veteran who can get us by I think they're going to have the ability to do that again this year but also I think they're going to be able to if they choose and that's the big thing I think they're going to have the ability to spend more on those types of free agents than they normally have and then still get Dak done and that's the that's like that's the no doubt like number one thing on the reason for optimism is you're getting a healthy Dak Prescott back. So that's let's we'll get that out of the way. We don't even have to talk about that. We know that. Um, hey Kent, do, can we get do you have something you want to weigh in on your list as well? Yeah, I'll get something maybe at the end to to pull gotcha. up the uh, the caboose here. But um, yeah, 
Keep going, guys. Sweet. Okay, John, next on your list. Uh, I think keeping Kellen Moore around is a big positive. And, yeah, I, like um, that. I think that because there's just, I don't know, there's just so many organizations that are constantly, I feel like, changing their coaching staff around that have good to great, possibly, quarterbacks that you're just never really, you're, you're wondering, is this guy ever going to win because everything's always changing around him? We're seeing it right now with Deshaun Watson down in Houston. I mean, if Deshaun Watson's on a different team, he might have won MVP this year. Uh, I mean, he's. I think he's a very special player. I, I think getting rid of the, changing the coaching staff for the Chargers, I don't know that that's a great move after the, the season that Justin Herbert just had. Um, obviously, watching the Lions for a while now, they are always changing what they're doing there. And, and I just feel like Matthew Stafford would have been way better off in a different organization that stays the course. And then you've seen so many quarterbacks have success staying in the same system. I just think it gives Dak and the rest of the offense the best chance for success, having Kellen stay in there, call and plays, having him locked up for three more years. I, just, I don't know. I just think that's a big positive for this team. It's kind of amazing, and it's kind of – honestly, it's kind of a very Mike McCarthy-type thing that you actually 100% know the identity of the offense. And it's not that run, run game like it used to be. They showed you this year what the offense is. We're going to try to throw it. And it didn't pay and, off. Hey, and that's in the KT. Season. That's before they even get Kyle Pitts. So just wait when that happens. Hey, hey. Now, <laughs> now, now, if we really want to have fun. Um, <laughs> I don't know if fun equates to winning games, but if we want to have fun. Um, the, the, thing, the thing that I would say, I was like, for as little as we know about their identity on defense, we know everything about their identity on offense because they showed us this year. The problem is you didn't get the results you wanted because fumbles, turnovers, defense couldn't keep you in games, and you got behind. But this team wants to throw it. They want to get ahead, and then they want Zeke to seal the deal. That's what they want to do, and you know that with Kellen. And I think it's an important thing to know. I think that I think it's great. And that's outside of I think Kellen is going to continue to get better as a play caller, and situational play calling will continue to get better, and designs and things like that. We'll get better. I mean, think about the number of crossing routes you saw compared to when Linehan was here, you know, or even when Bill Callahan and Jason Garrett were calling plays. Just the amount of traffic in the middle of the field. They're doing that. And, and I think that's, like, really important. So I'm glad you said Kellen because that, that's huge. I mean, you were talking about assets and Will McClay, number two. Where does Kellen rank? He's top five asset in this organization. I, I would argue. Is that crazy? He's a, he's he's more important to their team than their head coach. I mean, it's a little tough because I think obviously, like you have a good quarterback, and a good quarterback is going to be like asset number one. And then you know you've got somebody like Will McClay who's helping to build things. That's clearly asset number two. Where I think it just then gets jumbled around. There's like, okay, well, how much more important? Give it like you know if you didn't have the good quarterback, like. How much better would CD Lamb or Amari Cooper or Kellen Moore look and things like and that? Like, I think that's just a little bit more a muddied stack. I think he's in the conversation of he's one of the guys who you'd consider around the top five. I just I don't know how clear cut it would be, but I mean he's I, I think what was the section? I was just trying to look at it now, actually. Um it was the I think the most impressive stretch he had, they lost two games out of three. But I think the most impressive stretch he had was doing what he did with the Ben DiNucci game 
and completely just like redesigning the offense essentially for one week to keep them in the ball game and did keep them in the ball game. They were, you know, on Philadelphia's side of the field down seven in the late in the fourth quarter before that fumble happened. Yeah. And so had them in a position to potentially win that game. Um, and then the following week, a, a new quarterback, you had Garrett Gilbert again, and the offense was able to move the ball that day and was hanging with the undefeated Steelers. And then you get Andy Dalton again, and it's your third quarterback in three weeks. And you went out there and you scored, you know, you scored 34 points and won the game on the road. And so, I mean, I think that his most impressive stretch, I, I, that was where I really was like, okay, Kellen Moore's really coming to his own here where he got three different quarterbacks and there were all these different complications and Zeke was hurt in the middle of that because he had the the calf issue or uh, was a calf or hamstring that he had before the Pittsburgh game. I can't remember, but yeah, he, I think that was calf, he was yeah. questionable before that Pittsburgh game. He wasn't quite himself. And so, I mean, I thought there was a lot that Kellen Moore did in that stretch that really, I think, kind of sold it for me that, you know, he's he's somebody who's who can be one of the better coordinators in this game. And I think it's ultimately not necessarily that, but I think what he did this season, especially keeping the offense largely productive without Dak Prescott and without your two tackles and everything else. I think that's largely why I believe he is kind of, I mean, he's the head coach in waiting now. You know, another one that I want to throw in is, and I hate to use this with players sometimes, but like a motivated, such a bad word for this, but like a re-motivated Zeke or a newly motivated Zeke, because let's face it, Zeke had really never faced any type of adversity in his playing career, high school, college, first few years as a pro outside of the off the field stuff. But I'm, t- I'm talking about on the field. On the field, Zeke had really never faced very much adversity at all. And now, you know, you can't tell me that Zeke's not hearing talk of, you know, people going, man, we really should, uh, you know, or, or the, about his contract and about his performance. And, I also want to give him the benefit of the doubt when it comes to COVID because COVID does make you, I know firsthand that it does make you breathe weirder <laughs> a few weeks after you get it. I think I heard something um, about that. COVID does make people breathe weirder and, you know, causes chest pain yeah. and lots of other things. Yeah, it's, it's on WebMD. <laughs> yeah, can we, yeah, somebody tweet that? Breaking news. KT says uh, COVID well, makes you breathe weird. <laughs> Yeah, and not all of you could go to college for seven years like I did, so I wanted to keep it PC for all of our listening audience, you know? Ain't they call them using the layman's terms? Um, so, no, but what I mean is, like, there is a bit of, bit of me that goes, you know, I told, and it, I kind of laughed at it in September when he was fumbling all the time, and when he stopped fumbling, I was like, you know, there may be something to this COVID thing, and then I got COVID. Um, not that he's never been a guy who's, like, asked out, but, like, there's some awareness things we saw with Zeke. Um, you notice you didn't see the feed me as much. You know, kind of cut that. That's because he wasn't getting as many first downs. I mean, he still did it every time he did. He just wasn't getting as many of them. Well, I mean, at least he recognized, like, hey, this isn't a good time to do this. I mean, there's some players that still do those type of things. You want to name even. them? Uh, yeah, man. there's a guy on there's a guy on defense. I think he wears number 54. Oh, okay. Wow. Goodness. <laughs> Who's that? Randy White. We're down by 17, and I just committed pass interference, but maybe I got away with it. Nope, I definitely held him. That was a little bit, and I don't want to pick on the guy. Like, Jalen, I mean, Jalen came back from something super difficult, and I have uh, all the respect in the world for his resolve and everything like that, but I just remember, I think it was last offseason where Dennis Rodman went on first take or something wearing a 54 jersey, and it was Randy White 
but like Jalen didn't know, just saw 54 and was like tagging him in Instagram posts. Like, thanks for the love brother. And it's like, man, that's Randy white. That's not a Jalen Smith jersey. <laughs> Wait, oh, wow. can we change the subject? I had no idea. I you did didn't hear this that. one? I thought yeah, I thought we do this. Incredible. Can we can we please change the subject? I'm sorry. Yeah, we, we're, supposed be, we're, we're supposed Smith to be we're supposed to be supposed to be I don't know. We're supposed to be positive. We should no. we need to, this is the positive <laughs> yeah, episode. Say something positive. Just bring, no, no, that's true. Re, recycle this. Bring it up next episode. All right. Okay. Uh, Good job. Again, yeah. I I I'm really trying to find some stuff on defense and I can't, so I'm going to stay on the offense. Uh, I got some. They've I don't think that they've hit the max potential on their receiving options. And when I say that, I don't think CeeDee Lamb has hit his max. I don't think Michael Gallup has played his best ball. I think Amari Cooper is probably at that level, but that level that he's at right now is, is pretty damn good, especially with those other guys. And then you get Blake Jarwin back, and then you see the season that Dalton Schultz had. Like, I'm not going to lie. I think Dalton Schultz's season like surprised the hell out of me. Like, I didn't think he would be that much of a factor as a pass catcher. Um, I, I I thought he was impressive this year, and so now you have him with Blake Jarwin, and then after they draft Kyle Pitts, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But I, I and and then even the fact that like I think Tony Pollard took another step this year. So I, I and then I, for all the draft picks they're going to have, no one's going to be surprised if like I don't really seriously believe that they would take Kyle Pitts or a wide receiver at ten. But like in the later rounds, like who's to say that they wouldn't take like another skill position player to like throw in the mix, like. They just, I don't know, they're in a great spot with all their skill position guys uh, and an offense that they obviously want to spread the ball around. And they did a great job spreading that ball around to where you really can't just key on that one guy. If you're going to move Michael Jaquette around, they're going to find him and they're going to target. No. Um, so I, I don't know. I just think they did a great job just just maximizing what they had. And and really, I'll just end it with this. So when they were talking in, in the preseason around training camp about the possibility of like three 1,000-yard receivers and a 1,000-yard back and all that. And so I would write it because this is what these prominent players on the team that I cover are saying. And there'd be so many people talking about like, that's not going to happen. That's so unrealistic. Like that, they're not going to do that. They're not even like, they're not on that level. Like we're not going to do this. Like this is not going to be offense. It's going to be like, I'm just like, the offense was a train wreck this year with all the injuries and they still almost did it. Like that, that group is certainly on par of that type of like rare air. If Dak, if that real real quick, Bobby, if Dak didn't get hurt, they they do that by week thirteen. I truly believe that. That's what I was about to say. Was that I think if Dak is healthy, I mean the pace they were on, and you saw the defense wasn't great for most of the season after Dak left. So Dak still would have had to have been throwing them into games and things like that. I think the pace they were on, like I don't think it's totally unreasonable to think like there was an outside shot that the three of them get like twelve hundred each. Like they would have been, I I think I just think back to games like the Philly game in like in Philadelphia, where like that's an entire game where like nobody got anything or the Washington game in Washington, where like there, there were several games where they were essentially getting shut out that if Dak's there, they probably continue to tack on and they still, um, I mean, collectively they got to 3000 yards. Let me ask you guys this real quick then on that point. What do you think their record would have ended up being if that if that does happen? So I guess essentially I'm saying if Dak stays healthy, but what do you guys think that if if those guys all go for over a thousand yards, Zeke goes for over a thousand yards? Like I'm not sitting here saying that I think that they would have won twelve or thirteen games. They certainly would have won the division. Uh, yeah, absolutely, Kent. No doubt about that. They win the division. I don't know, ten, eleven, at least nine, right? So 
they beat I think they beat Philly on the road. They beat Pittsburgh at home. They beat the Giants at the end. So they probably go nine and seven. They maybe they have to win one that, of those Washington that, games. That's not the second one. They got walloped yeah. in that one. That defense was just too strong that day. That that was I don't know. I mean, Are you, you talking about on that on the fake on the fake punt day? I, I am talking about the fake punt day where they lost no. forty one to sixteen. He's not making a forty one. Now the first Washington they game lost forty one to sixteen because of that very next play after the fake punt. It was very clear that that the hats were being hung up. Work was done for the day. I, I there it's a possibility that you win one they of those games. Out. Given everything we saw from this football team this year, even with Dak Prescott being in there, the way they needed like watermelon kick to anything, like I still feel like even if Dak's in there, there's probably a bunch of other things going wrong around him that ultimately they lose those. But I think the ones where like he clearly makes a game winning difference are those three games the Giants finisher, the Eagles game on the road, and then the Pittsburgh game that they lost. I think they win all three of those. And I don't think they lose any of the games that they won without him. I, I just think that. They would have moonwalked into the playoffs that the last two games might have been Danucci games or maybe week 17 to go play for a quarter and get out. So I think the losses would have came there. I think, so I, th- I think I think 10 is the number. I truly believe that. I truly believe that, man. And I know the defense was terrible. I think it's 10-6, 11-5. If they win one of the Washington games and they beat Philly and then they're still, what would they have been at that point? Uh, they would have been heading into the second to last Philly game. I mean, they probably win that Philly last week. Yeah, probably because th- at that point, even if they win nine games, they've got the tiebreaker over Washington heading in the last week and it's over anyway. And so, yeah, they probably have it clinched before that. They had three weeks to get ready for their playoff opponent. They'd be chilling. They'd be chilling. Hey, I got one. Bobby, I think you'll like this one. Are we going negative? Is it about Zeke? No, this is all positive. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Randy Gregory has proven that he is a starting defensive end. Him and Tank are your defensive ends. You, we notice. We notice. Yes, we notice. Main. Did did we know who our defensive ends were going into this year? Um, I mean, in terms of you knew who were the the guys that would start for this year. Just like last year, you knew you had Robert Quinn and Demarcus. But it's like there's no stability into the future at the two ends. But I think. To that point, like you say, I think you do feel like, okay, confidently those two guys can be our defensive ends for the next minimum two years. And it provides stability and it allows you to, you know, I mean, really probably for the well, for the first time I can remember in recent years, like I feel like you're not talking about like, man, I mean, it's certainly possible because you, you can't have enough edge rushers. But like, I feel like you're not talking about like the first pick, like edge rusher is seriously in play as one of the top needs. Like, I feel like you're... Might. I feel they yeah they could all like I said they could you still want to get as you know you want as much pass rush help as you can get but I'm saying it, it doesn't feel like it feels like every year we enter the year and it's like uh it's corner and it's defensive end or it's like you know linebacker and defensive and this year it feels more like okay we're looking at linebacker maybe offensive line depth uh cornerback but I feel like defensive end this year is finally kind of down the list a little bit and largely because Randy Gregory and DeMarcus Lawrence have solidified the starting spots. And because, you know, as Jerry's told us, like, Dorrance Armstrong is an animal. And so, I mean, you, you've got the depth behind him, too. You didn't say it's no Alden, You didn't say no sarcasm. You just said no negative, too. Alden Smith out? Yeah, Alden Smith's gone. Alden Smith would have been traded if they got anything that they felt was an offer that was equal to or surpassed what they feel like they were going to get in a comp pick. But, yeah, he's 100% gone, I think. 
Yeah, Good and for even him. That other other edge rusher, even if they wanted to add somebody in free agency, there's all. I feel like every free agency, there's always guys that are middle of the pack that could possibly give you four or five sacks. Uh, you know, like obviously Kerry Hyder did a few years ago. Like, I just I don't know. I just think that you don't have to spend a lot of money. You can find like a, a Benson Mayo and guys like that. If you need another guy, I'm talking about playing behind Randy. I'm not talking about as a starter, but now that you have Randy and, and DeMarcus, my, my big thing though about that is it just, okay, so what is your defense then? Like, are, what do you feel most comfortable with? Cause when you, ta- when you say that to me, I think, okay, you got to go back to playing a four three, but I'm not completely sold that McCarthy wants to do that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Got another positive, guys. And and by positive, I don't mean a COVID test. Um, Good. I'm tested negative. Um, uh, Trevon Diggs has proven that he is one of your starting cornerbacks. Yeah. And I think, like, just as uh, to be fair, and he wasn't. He's not great, but I do think he's like solid for what he is, and he's cheap. Anthony Brown is your cornerback four. Maybe he's your cornerback three and a half, and maybe Trevon Diggs is your cornerback one and a half. You know, instead of just saying CB one and CB. Anthony Brown is a legit cornerback three if you have if you just don't have terrible safeties. That's the if if you have if you have passable safeties, Anthony Brown can be your third corner. Uh, Speaking of that, guys, uh, well, in this scenario. I would like you to pretend that CeeDee Lamb was drafted before the Cowboys went on the clock in the first round, and they took Trayvon Diggs with their first-round pick. So you never, you can't even think of CeeDee Lamb ever being on the team because it was never going to happen. You never would have thought about it, okay? And we'll even take it further, and we'll say that Caleb on Chason was gone too. So t- take Trayvon Diggs there. Off of what he did this season, how would you have graded that first-round pick? Dane had him as his number one corner 
rookie corner this year, despite the injury and everything. You know, just the trajectory I, I, he was on. The reason on why I'm asking hurt. is because obviously no, right. it always comes back to the Lions with me. And they took Jeffrey Okuda, and that yeah. was at three. And Trayvon Diggs was taken in the middle of the second round, and there's no question he had a better rookie season than the the number one corner taken in this draft. Yeah, I wanted them to take him in the first with their first pick. That's who I had mocked to him. So when they got him in the second round, I was ecstatic. So I would have been happy with with uh, him in the first round if that was me. Especially if he played like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As a first, yeah. I mean, I would have taken it as. I mean, I wouldn't have thought like, oh, he's like, but I mean, I think when you adjust it for what do cornerbacks do as rookies typically in the NFL, like I probably would have said, yeah, that's a passable season from a rookie corner, a first round corner. And he showed the, tra- he showed the traits that show he can be a top flight corner. And so I would have gone, that's a, that is a passing grade as a first round pick. It's not given the position that he plays, I, I would say. For pick 17, that was a, a good pick, and we'll see. He has the potential to really be good in the future. Not even watching any of the games, if you just would have told me after they made the pick that he would end up getting leading the team with three interceptions and 14 passes defensed, I would have said that was a great first-round pick. Yeah, and, and realistically, Absolutely. could have had maybe like six picks because he dropped a few early in the season. I mean, he's a he is a ball hawk, and he's so... he's. He's so impressive to me. Like, I know one of the things the Cowboys love about him is they love, like, what's between the ears. They love his drive. They love his mental makeup. He's, they're giving him stuff in practice. They're talking to him about, like, you know, hey, let's work on this. He's getting stuff during the season. He's making lists. I know this. I was talking to somebody. He's making this list. Whenever a coach tells him something, he's writing it down. He's calling off-season trainers since you can't work with the coaches during the off-season. He's calling his coaches during the season, his trainers and saying, Hey, look, we got a, uh, this is the newest thing. Add this to the list, start developing a program. Cause when the off season hits, I'm going to want to work on this. Like we need to, I'm going to do what I can here, but like we need to start with. And so like, he's being, I know for a fact, he's been really proactive in trying to develop a plan of like every criticism he gets, he's going, all right, mark it down. I'm working on this, this off season and, and telling people in advance, Hey, you got, two months before I'm out there working with you. And so start working on a plan, start working on what you want me to do and we'll do it. We'll hit the field. And so I know they, they really love his, his desire to get better and, and the ball skills and everything else. It's just, there's so much that's impressive about him. I love the fact that like he broke that bone in his foot. And he like went out and he like fought his way back onto the field, taped it up, came back out. Oh, well, that's what I thought you were about to say when you said that the, what the coach is really like. And, and one of the things is certainly that he plays through injuries. Like he's been real banged up a lot this season and, and he has no problem playing through. I mean, obviously within, you have to be realistic here. You're not going to play with a broken foot or a torn ACL, but like anything that he can play through, he, he is done. He tried for a play. He tried to go right. out there and play with it. So, I mean, he it's unrealistic, but he still tried to do it. But it was somebody had told me that um, a big part, he's got a great relationship with his brother, um, Stefan Diggs, but a big part of his drive and his motivation is like, I'm Trayvon Diggs. I'm not Stefan Diggs' brother. And so that's like been a real something he's internalized and like uses to push himself as like, I'm going to make sure people know that I am Trayvon Diggs. Like I'm my own man. I like, I'm not just the, Oh yeah. He's the solid younger brother or whatever that he, he really wants to, you know, establish his own name. And, and again, it's not out of any sort of like issue he has with his brother. It's just like, yeah, that's Stefan and he's been successful and that's great. And he's my brother and I love him, but like, I, I'm pretty good too. 
And I remember I asked him, he was out at MJP before the draft. And I remember asking him if they, uh, they do routes against each other. And he was like, uh, yeah, but he kind of stopped uh, once I hit my freshman year at Bama because he was like, because I got too good. He's like, I was locking him up. And so he got pissed off so he wouldn't run routes against me anymore. <laughs> you know, there's three top 50 corners in this year's draft who are kind of doing the same thing except they're going, I'm not my dad. Um, Asante Samuel Jr. and J.C. Horn. Uh, and then, uh, and of course, Patrick Sertan, who we've talked a lot about. Um I have two more positives on my list. What about you guys? How are you guys looking there? And I know Kent's got one as well. Uh, I mean, I'm just generally positive. My biggest thing is I think that <laughs> I, I, I am. I, I, I'm a positive. I just feel I actually do feel really good about this team because I feel like the offense is so set. So to me, it's like, you know, I remember I was uh, I was talking to Rick Goslin one time about um, Jimmy, the way Jimmy drafted. And he's like, yeah, Jimmy had a good inside track because he recruited all these guys that he ended out drafting. So he knew them better than other guys in the league. He's like, but also Jimmy had 15 darts to throw at the board in any given draft because he had so much draft capital. And like he wasn't hitting like even half success rate, but he was he hit on some of the higher ones and he had a ton of picks. And so he was able to find gems. And it was just, you know, the fact of like salary cap. uh, Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of the draft, in terms of being able to draft well and get good players in here, young players, it was because he had so many like picks that he could throw at it that it didn't matter that he missed a bunch. He hit on something because it was just the law of averages. And so I do feel like the fact that the Cowboys can afford to, I don't think they will. I still, to this day, like right now, as of this moment, if you like put a gun to my head and it's like, Hey, uh, who the Cowboys going to pick with their first pick? I'm going to say it's a tackle, an offensive tackle. But after that, like they could realistically draft defense for the whole draft. And just by doing that, just throwing everything at it, you'll find players with as many picks as they have and as much capital as they have to throw at it. They will trip into people by accident. And so I feel like you've got things established with the edges, the safety and the corner. You saw you got playmakers there got a solid one in Anthony Brown. I feel like they're not as far away as I think some people think they are. I think they can make this into a contender pretty quick with a good draft. But will the defense be good, though? I mean, you say contender, there's contenders that have bad defenses. And, and that's I, I don't think they can make the defense. I don't think they can make the defense above average in one year. Do you have you watched have you watched Elijah Molden yet? Yes. You like him? him. Yeah, I think he's good. I think he's the Cole Beasley of this draft, except on defense. Okay, so I let's just say you go out and you you move on from Jalen Smith. Let's say you've got Leighton Vander Esch, and then you sign somebody like I mentioned earlier, Denzel Perryman. You got those as your linebackers. Trayvon Diggs another year, Anthony Brown, who's solid, and then an Elijah Molden, who let's say you get in like the second round or something. And then you've got Donovan Wilson, who made strides, and then you can either get, you know, veteran safety, you can pick somebody in the third round, the TCU kid, somebody like that. I think that, like, you can pretty quickly, with Neville Gallimore there, maybe draft a Tyler Shelvner, you go find it. Like like I said, you can have $30 million to spend in free agency. I think they absolutely, with the darts they can throw in free agency at a number of veterans and hit on a couple, and then the darts they have to throw in the draft, they will, just by the law of averages, find 11 good players to field on defense. That's the optimism we're looking for there. John, do you have anything left on your list? No, Bobby just stole them all with all that positivity. Sorry, when I said cut Jalen Smith, John ran out of things. <laughs> so I have one, and this one I, I saved it for the end because it's, uh, or towards the end because this could be more of a coin toss. 
But the idea that now that we have a vaccine could lead to an actual training camp, and even if they have to do it in Frisco, you know, but an actual normal length training camp, um, I think that would be really important for Mike McCarthy um, and his coaching staff, whether it's a new coaching staff or not. I think you have that. The other thing, uh, it's my final positive on my list. Um, as I'm scrolling down, did I, did I just erase him because I thought I had him memorized? Here we go. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. And another one. Hold on, guys. Uh, here it is. Here it is. Um, enough uh, young players like Connor McGovern like actually got to play. Like I think that's so important because he was like the guy on the milk carton who was missing. Like the fact that he got to play, uh, Biotish got to play. Like, I love that on the offensive line. And it makes you feel better about the interior offensive line if you had to move Zach to tackle. If you had to, like, I feel better about the offensive line than if I think if, if then not knowing what the offensive line depth was because all the starters were healthy. Basically, the injuries gave them a chance to evaluate dudes. I think that's important, and I think that's positive because that makes me feel better about their offensive line depth going forward. Yes, they need to upgrade from Brandon Knight and Terrence Still, We all know that, but like you kind of have a pretty good feeling of what Connor McGovern is. I think you have a pretty good feeling of what Tyler Biotish is. Um, so there's just that, you know. Would you feel okay? Because I'm the one who, like, people are screaming at me on Twitter and stuff because, uh, like, I think – given it's for a myriad of reasons, but I think the the prudent move is to go ahead and move on from Tyron Smith this off season. So if you do that, are you feeling okay when you say upgrading from Brandon Knight and Terrence Steele? Are you feeling okay if you've got, let's say you draft Rashawn Slater at 10? Are you feeling okay if your tackles are Slater and Collins, your guards are Martin and McGovern, Biotish at center, and then Connor Williams' swing tackle? I don't want Connor Williams playing tackle. Everything else sounded good. Okay, well then Connor Williams is your swing guard, and then you go sign another swing to go get a name I threw out there, uh, Ty Sambrello. Jazz uh, Green, huh? Jazz yes. Green. Cam like Irving that. wasn't terrible. Resign Cam Irving as your swing tackle. That's not. I don't think that's bad. I think you've got Florida the depth State. there, and then get those Florida State guys coming in here, right, John? Uh, bring me Marvin <laughs> Wilson. Bring me Josh Kando. I'm down. Let's Ooh. go draft him. Ooh. Asante bring Samuel Jr. Let's go. Let's go. No, Kent, you're you. It's it is your you're you're kind of you're kind of like the guy that jumps out of the cake. You have like the final positive thing. <laughs> well, it's honestly it's amazing because I've had my list here, and I as you guys have been talking, I've been sitting here crossing things off my list because <laughs> great minds think alike. Uh, my first one was the draft and just how this team has been able to build through the draft. I think you guys nailed it with the fact that they can just kind of roll this offense out there next year, uh, you know, with maybe Tyron Lyle healthy and, of course, Dak back out there, not even have any new bodies and and be perfectly fine and, and kind of, you know, roll that out there. And, and I think they'll be perfectly fine on offense. Uh, so that was, that was my number one. KT, Trevon Diggs was my number two, specifically oh. him. And, and the fact that you can build around him now, you can draft a corner that complements him. Also, Donovan Wilson and the fact that he, um, you know, has kind of come on late in the season. And, you know, those two guys together, Diggs and Wilson, maybe you, you get some turnovers uh, in the secondary next year. Um, my next one on my list, actually, KT, was, was the vaccine. And the fact that they have 
you know, a clear path to actually being in a room together and gaining that camaraderie as a team. I think that did have some effect on it. Maybe not like kept them from playoffs or Super Bowl, but I think it certainly, uh, you know, would have helped if they could have been in the same room together and, and gotten to spend some more time together. So that's going to be a huge positive going forward. And uh, then my last one here, it might not sound like a positive, but but it really is. Hear me out. It's the fact that they went 6-10 and 10 this year. And I think that's a positive because had they backed into the playoffs, had they, you know, gone 8-8, eight and eight, maybe even 9-7 and seven with Dak healthy, they probably run this thing back 100%. And the fact that the way the season ended like it did, the fact that the way the season went like it did, in the middle of it, even at the beginning, I think everybody, Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, I think everybody looks at themselves in the mirror and they take a hard look at this entire team from top to bottom. You know, everybody's contract, everybody's on the table, and they really, you know, try to improve things going forward. And, you know, we've seen the decades of what can happen if you go eight and eight and you stay competitive in the division and stay, you know, make the playoffs, things like that. Um, you know, there's built in excuses when you, you have a quarterback that goes down in 2015, Tony Romo went down the built in excuse. Right. Um, but you know what they did in that off season? They responded. They drafted Dak Prescott because they saw a hole there at the back of quarterback. So I think they'll do the same this year. I'm excited about the improvements that they're going to make. And, uh, yeah, it's a glass half full for me going forward. All sure. right. Until next episode when you have to do the until pessimist to, one. Yeah, until we have to probably it'll it'll probably exceed this. I don't know. We'll probably do two and a half, maybe three and a half hours on uh, pessimism. The airing the airing of grievances episode is it, it's just gonna have there's just a lot of ammo ready to go. The the guns are loaded, just put it that way. <laughs> it's been like it's yeah. But, it's but that's up. fine. That's fine. Can I ask, since I won't be on the airing of grievances episode, can I I wanna ask uh Y'all, the the fact that Kent just said it's a, a good thing essentially that they went six and ten, which I agree, actually. I think it ultimately forces them to like look in the mirror and address some things and it doesn't allow them to perpetuate some things. But is there a record, do you think, or is it just a, a list of achievements like making the playoffs or whatever that like Mike McCarthy has to hit next year for him to be back in twenty twenty two? Like is he is his job on the line with XY? Like is there so you think it's just playoffs? So if they go seven and yeah. nine and make the playoffs, there that he can I mean, get retained? Yeah, he would still be back. I, I don't. I think if he missed the playoffs next year with healthy Dak, like with the quarterback, if he missed the playoffs, I think they would go ahead and make a move. And and that could be that could be wide scale blowing things out because if you miss the playoffs with with, uh, with Dak next year in this division, then some of that's going to end up being on Kellen as well, who they just signed. So I, I think. But I think I think they will move on because if you miss the playoffs, enough of the things that aren't good about Mike McCarthy will be a part of that, like and and they'll come to light. And I think Jerry and Steve will have to go. We messed up and didn't get the right guy. But I still think he, I still think he gets another year. Really? Yeah. You think mm-hmm. even if they have like a repeat of this year, six and ten, even with everybody healthy, you think he's still back? Yep. I think, he, I think he gets. I think he gets at least three years. Mm. I feel like the Kellen Moore move was Mike McCarthy. You're on the clock. Like this is like your job's on the line now. You got to get something done. I don't know. Judging by what Troy Aikman says, that's not what happened. <laughs> yeah, Troy can say that. I also heard that Kellen Moore. Uh, there was some concerns that he did come in there with a strong recruiting plan when he talked to Boise State, and so they decided not to hire him. That's what I heard. But 
Hmm. I mean, that's could be possible. I mean, I don't think recruiting would be his strength right out the gate. I mean, no, it's just that he walked in there. Apparently what I had heard was Boise felt like he didn't come in there with a strong, it it was X's and O's stuff that they liked, but that he didn't come in there with a strong idea of how to build the program up. Hey guys, look, you know, have you draw some plays on the board? I'm going to be open with you here. I don't talk to a lot of high school boys. I I mean, Kellen's a really smart guy, but I don't see him as a, the personality of a head coach. I just don't, I don't see it. Um, well, the biggest problem is that the pro- it would be a head coach of a college because really you got to be a little bit of a used car salesman because you're always recruiting and you always got to have that kind of that front. And I just don't know if, if he's really got that part of it. So I don't know. I don't know how it all went down. I've, you know, I hear both sides of these things and I can, I'm sure it's like most, it's somewhere in the middle. I think everything just worked out best for him. I think he's in the best possible situation that he could be in with this team, this offense, the pieces he has to work with. It's not like he has to fix some broken offense. And then the fact that just this league is in in love with young offensive minds. So if he has any success over the next two or three years, if he isn't the Cowboys head coach in waiting, he's going to be somebody else's head coach. So I don't know. And I, I, I think I think there'll be plenty of money for him to make his egg. He'll he'll get a chance to be an NFL head coach. It's it's all sure. it's all speculation. But do you think there was any? Um... Oh gosh. <laughs> Do you think there was any um talking to before they gave him that extension? Do you think there was any talk with Dak about it? No. No. That's interesting to me. I think that they there was talk with Dak beforehand because of the fact that like I'm talking like in previous you know when they just brought him back this past off season, you know, I mean Dak talked about it a lot like going into uh the training camp that how much he was happy that Mike kept Kellen on staff because of the fact that, you know, they had built what they have been building the last couple of years. So I think that they knew that he was on board. You know, I, I think let's put it this way. If, if Mike had any idea or Jerry or Steven that Dak didn't like the direction that Kellen was going, they would know that and they would not have resigned him. They would have been like, let's, let's do something. I thought it was interesting that, uh, and I don't think it's necessarily, don't turn this into a Deshaun Watson, not happy that they didn't consult with him. Not that he's not happy. I'm going from it from a different angle, which is, I just think it's interesting that I don't think Dallas is, Dallas is, I think for a long time, had a reputation negatively of like letting the players have too much say in on some decisions and like certain players having too much pull in things. If it's your franchise quarterback and the offensive coordinator, I'm completely fine with that. I, I don't I don't think they I don't think they that's the thing, I don't think they've learned from that. So I do think it's interesting that he had a really good relationship with John Kitna and they blew out John Kitna after a year. And he had another year on his contract. He was outright fired. They didn't seem to have any sort of talk from what I remember, like I think this got addressed. They didn't have any talk with him before they went ahead and decided to hire Mike McCarthy. And then Mike McCarthy didn't talk to him for a week. And then if they wouldn't have talked to him before, like the Kellen works, I just find it interesting that they don't seem to give him the same deference that they've given other players that they've thought highly of. Not that he takes offense to it. I just think it's interesting that they don't. I think that a lot of the stuff you're talking about, though, all points to last offseason. And and because of the situation he was in contract-wise, I think that factors into it. If he had signed a four-year extension or five-year or whatever, I think that he is a major part of those discussions. But it just doesn't sound like he was around, and it doesn't sound like they wanted to have any, any type of dialogue back and forth and negotiations. I think that they wanted to drag this thing out and thought that they were going to pull this off at the franchise tag deadline. And obviously that didn't work out, but it just didn't seem like there was a lot of communication from either party going back or forth last year, last off season. I, I agree. And when the deal gets done with Dak, and I think it will, if Dak wants to be involved in those discussions, I think he will be in. 
But if he doesn't, and I would contend that you shouldn't, uh, reason being, when something goes wrong, don't be a part of what went wrong. You wasn't my guy. Take the Aaron Rodgers approach of, I didn't hire the guy, you know? And just kind of stay away, and then it's never your fault if things go bad, unless yeah, you suck. Yeah, but 52 but players. But doesn't suck. Yeah, 52 players on the team, I'm fine. I completely agree with. But with the quarterback and the money these quarterbacks are making, like, like to use the Deshaun Watson thing as an example, like they absolutely should have should have talked to him. They, I'm not saying that they have to go. Well, Deshaun says we should hire this guy as a GM, so let's do that. Yeah, you should at least no, listen agree. to that guy with the type of investment you're making at that position and how important that position is. They should be included if he wants to be involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes, yes, correct. Yeah, if he wants to be. All right, Bobby, thank you for joining us, man. We appreciate having you. <laughs> thanks Love for you your too, po- bro. Thanks for your positive spirit. I, I'm stunned myself how positive I was. I, I'm never this positive, but I think I just like uh, I think I hit my quota for the entire year, which means the rest of the year I'm just going to be a surly bastard. Well, like it's it's early in January, Bobby. You know, so you know, yeah. I mean, a lot. I, I, I'm sh- I'm sure uh, if if uh, you know the DAC negotiation goes much longer than a month, I'm sure I'll probably be bitter and saying a lot of things on Twitter, and it, it won't be it won't be good. Get out your Twitter account. What's that? Give out your Twitter account. At Bobby Belt TX, where I, uh, you know, troll incessantly and, uh, you know, take out of context Dak Prescott stats to justify paying him $40 million. And uh, the best Hellman memes on Twitter. Oh, (laughs) you want some lit, some lit David Hellman memes? Just subscribe. I think I'm up there, but I I honestly think like I, I might be, I might be behind. And there's a couple others. Rowan's good. Uh, Meg Murray does some good ones. So I don't know. I, I, I'm in the running. It's like when when KT said Kellen was top five. It's like, you know, in there somewhere. But I, I don't know if I definitely put yeah. me there. But yeah. Well, later in the week, we will have our annual. It's a tradition like none other, except you know, not like the Masters. Um, we're going to have our annual. I actually like golf, but if you look at the history of the Masters, maybe. Um, the annual airing of grievances. It's the Festivus episode. Reasons to be pessimistic about the Cowboys in 2021. That'll be coming up a little later in the week here on The Athletic. Make sure you uh, follow, subscribe, like, review, share. Text a friend and be like, hey, man, you got The Athletic. It's badass. You should do that. Like, just text three friends. Maybe five. You know? Send an email chain to everyone you work with. Tell them to subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, for our producer, Kit Garrison, for our special guest this week, Bobby Belt. For Father John Mashoda, I'm Kevin KT Turner. We will see you next time on the next edition of About Them Cowboys. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless. <laughs>